0: Block Talk Radio Welcome to the Crystal Silence League Hour live from Divine Harmony Spiritual Church in Knoxville, Tennessee on the LMC Radio Network A show dedicated to open-minded discussion of spirituality, new thought, prayer, and the practical use of crystals. And now, your host, the Reverend John St. Germain.
1: a good show for you tonight. I had a lot of people uh, email me, text me, uh send carrier pigeons, etc. uh when I mentioned the Buddhist serial killer, uh Anguala uh Angwala Milla, Mala, uh <clears throat> and they wanted to know more about him. And uh so we're gonna discuss him tonight because he was a very interesting character uh and considered one of uh the Buddha's Uh, main disciples in history and um, his uh, career as a criminal was foreordained by uh, astrologists, in fact from birth and uh, uh, it was a very interesting story, we'll talk about that and we'll also talk about uh, Anatta the uh, teachings of the Buddha about the uh, consciousness and self so we'll we'll, we'll, uh, delve into that Um, and I'm talking to you by telephone tonight because blog talk radio is uh, uh, possessed by madness and you never know what's going to happen to it. Um, I'm operating the switchboard by computer uh, such as it is the, uh, the primitive uh, assortment of craziness that they call a switchboard and uh, talking to you via phone. I'm literally talking to you via phone because I could not find my headset and I know I had it because I did a reading today and set it down and disconnected it from my cell phone and could not find it. So what I'm talking to now, and I don't know how it sounds, but uh, some time ago, I took the piece. the uh, I, I don't even know what it's called, but you know the old dial rotary phones? Um, I, I took the handset off of one of those, and just to see if I could do it, I wired it so that it could be plugged into a cell phone. I put in an attachment on the end of it and did various modifications just to see if I could do it. And that's what I'm talking to you now. If you saw this, it would look like I'm talking to you from uh, a relic from the 60s. Uh, the hand, handset from an old rotary phone that I wired and it's plugged into my cell phone, which means that what i can do is hold it as i am now uh, wedged between my cheek and shoulder like a teenage or er, uh talking uh to his girlfriend in high school when yakety yak 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 and i've actually used this sometimes uh, doing readings just because i think it's so cool and uh Uh, I wanted to see if it would work, and it did, so I I don't really know how it sounds. As I recall, those phones were a little tinny, and uh, you can make microphones out of the mouthpiece for the purpose of playing harmonicas. You put them in a tin can, you know, and you play a harmonica, and it goes, wah, 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 sounds like a horn. It's very cool, but I'm kind of excited, and I may continue to do so. Depend, I'll, I'll listen to how it sounds, but you know, you know, those were good little condenser microphones. Uh, people do make tin can microphones out of them, uh, and I have one that I made. And uh, on my YouTube channel, there's a, a, a video of me uh, showing you. Know, I made it out of a tomato can and one of these microphones, a little static microphone. Uh I'm playing harmonica and poorly, but you know, you can hear it, and it sounds. Um, just like one you'd pay a couple hundred dollars for. Uh, it's, the people used to steal them back in the Depression. They'd steal them from payphones and put them in beer cans. And that's how you know the old guys played harmonica and blues bands. It's kind of funny and you know make uh, uh, bass guitars out of uh, uh, soap boxes and things. It was, it was a different day, a different day. Uh, I don't know what got me off on that, but you know. Um, I haven't had anything to eat today. I got up, and my seven-year-old is uh, doing remote schooling, right, Um, because of the COVID. They're doing it this week to scour the school and steam clean it. And uh, so when I got up, she had set up her um, computer and was fully uh, in school, but she set it up in front of my coffee maker and had actually unplugged my coffee maker, and – so uh started the day without coffee and uh a little groggy and then i had um, uh work to do and then i went to physical therapy for the last time and then i came home and uh, some people had talked me into doing readings and then other stuff happened and after one thing and another it, um i just forgot to eat so i realized that i hadn't eaten today so i maybe a little um uh, a little loopy today but you know hey um sometimes things like that are fun this is the Crystal Silence League, by the way. I guess I should uh, let you know that because some people may be looking around wanting to um, listen to the hockey scores or something, and this is not the place to do that. And uh, this is the place you come to to listen about crystals and spiritual stuff and various ramblings from me. And um, Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlin, a spiritual adept who toured the world with his spiritual demonstrations. And when he passed into the silence, 1954 or so, he took the Crystal Silence League with him until 2007 or so, when it was resurrected from the uh, abyss by spiritual adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, and you can find us uh at um Association of Spiritualist uh, independent spiritual churches dot org or dot com. I think we have both. And of course Crystal Silence League is www.crystalsilenceleague.org. dot org. And um if you go there, by golly, you'll find all kinds of prayers. Um yep, Crystal Silence League dot org, that's right. I know I sometimes have trouble remembering if we're a com or org, but we're org and um, we get about two hundred prayers a week posted up there uh sometimes sometimes a hundred prayers from the same person um and we we go there and um uh, uh thin- thin the thin the herd down a little bit sometimes we we have uh, pastors that go go over there and if you post your prayer ten times, we'll delete nine of them so you can post you know, different prayers. You can post ten different prayers, just don't post the same prayer ten times. And um we have a gift shop, our gift shop's up and running. It wasn't for a while. We we have various things in there. We have books and uh crystals and stuff. And um if you buy something from the gift shop you get a year's membership in the Crystal Silence League. People say, How do we join? Well a donation or a purchase from the gift shop. Simple as that. Just like Mr Conlon did. Just like Mr Conlon did. Well, I am going to tell you about celestine, our crystal of the week. And oh, celestine is so pretty. It's a, a pale blue that uh forms in crystals and it's one of the angel stones, obviously. Um and uh um uh, angelite, celestine, uh labradorite, labradorite, Leverdi- um uh Danbarite. there's quite a few of them. And um, they're called angel stones because uh, it is believed that with their assistance, you can communicate with higher powers like angels, extra-dimensional beings, uh, those who have passed beyond the veil. And uh, the, it resonates to the third eye, the third eye chakra. And uh, it can help, it is believed, uh, help you develop wisdom and Mindfulness very useful in meditation, especially the deeper meditation, and uh, elevate the consciousness. Um, it said the third eye is primarily linked to the pituitary gland, and uh, the pituitary gland has been suspected to help uh, regulate serotonin so is this is it a mood elevator perhaps um, I find holding the stone. And breathing is very soothing and uh, tends to help with anxiety. And um, I can only speak for myself, and other people have told me the same. Um, and uh, it's useful for helping uh, intuition. Uh, helping develop razor-sharp perception, seeing below the surface. Uh, It's been said to help with imagination, uh, help improve your memory, uh, help you uh, develop lucid dreaming, uh, help you with your visualizations, um, help you um, open your mind to new ideas, uh, all the stuff that's linked, basically, with the third eye chakra. And... um, the um benefits benefits from a uh, meditation practice with any of the angel stones um uh very, very uh, too numerous to really list um the um, um it's also uh interesting because uh, sometimes it's called celestine celestite celestine um and um uh, uh so people have asked us well you know what's it, what the what is there between celestite and celestine they're the same it just depends on who does it and um and um angelite is very similar to it uh chemically um so uh don't don't confuse the two um sometimes at rock shows you'll see angelite called celestine or celestite and um uh they're practically interchangeable um, but not completely. Um, not completely. Angelite seems to me to be lighter, lighter in color. But anyway, that's our crystal of the week. And uh, uh, you can make an elixir from it, an infusion, put it in water. It's a uh, it's, it's hard stone. It, you can use it in a direct infusion, but I always put my stuff in jars and put the jar in the water. And um, celestide I like to put it in the moon you know and pray over it all right so that's our crystal of the week I'm going to um, take a a cold drink of water please and uh, we'll be back in a minute
0: the time approaches for our weekly prayer service if you are so inclined Join us at CrystalSilenceLeague.org to see this week's prayer requests.
1: Well, on our prayer list today, we have uh, many, many, many prayers. Uh, there seems to be a theme. Um tonight, um many people in financial straits, so we we never call out names when we do the prayers. We always use prayer ID number so uh if you'll join me, if you're so inclined if you have your crystal ball handy for crystal projection, if you do such things um, we have prayer ID number one zero one eight three six who asks. You all for your prayers in helping me heal. I've had a couple of health scares and I'm still going through them. I ask for your prayers for healing, to ask God to help me and heal me. Take my fears away and bring good health for myself and for my small children who I need to be strong for. Please, Lord, help me, heal me. Let me be strong and healthy again. Amen. And prayer ID 101835. Who says, I need prayer to hopefully win big with the Powerball or Mega Millions. I ask the universe to line my numbers up to win. Lady, I ask that you be on my side for the big money wins, Powerball and Mega Millions. Amen. And he also prays that he's feeling drained and fatigued and vision is blurry and needs prayer for healing in the body. Prayer ID 101832 he says, permanently remove M from M's life. It's a different M. Destroy all links and ties to her from M's life forever, and all communication and contact between them now, forever, and always. Amen. Prayer ID 101831. Dear Mother of God, Our Lady of Conception, um, a uh a parisita, Oh, St. Rita of Cassia and St. Jude, worker of miracles and helper of impossible causes, pray for me, St. Espide, saint of urgent causes, St. Edward Edward Jesus, the saint of the needy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how desperate I feel? Please ask Jesus to help me. For E to be a normal, healthy, intelligent child, may the sacred heart of Jesus be adored and glorified forever. Our Father, Hail Mary, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. In prayer, ID 101830, I, KS, ask that the curse put on me to harm myself be taken off me, please, and thanks. Prayer ID 101829. I pray this COVID-19 pandemic goes away soon. It has changed our way of living. I pray to God that we may get back to normal soon. Amen. Prayer ID 101828. If you can pray for or with me for guidance and strength in these tough coming times, for help in every way, financially, spiritually, spiritual wars, and always a protection, thank you. God help my family as much as you can. Thank you. And let's see, she also prays for Scott to be saved fully and receive God to ensure heaven, have God touch him and guide his heart. Thank you. And uh, prayer ID 101823, Lord, thank you for my daughter. Bless her with intelligence and social skills. Help her be a normal child with normal understanding. May she be happy and confident always. May I be the best mother to her. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer ID 101822, please pray with me that my payment will be processed on time and that the money I am waiting on will come through. I also pray for protection and increased immunity for me and my children and loved ones. Praying the Crystal Silence League website will be taken care of, and we will be able to receive responses again when someone prays. Thank you. Praying, your prayers are answered. too. we're upgrading. You know, we're a, uh, we have a talented tech guy who's uh, upgrading us, and sometimes uh, it goes down while it's being worked on. Prayer ID one zero one eight two one. Family at a crossroads, seeking guidance on best decision for highest happiness and good. Amen. Prayer ID 101820. Please pray for C's safe return from overseas and for a smooth, easy return to his job, which he enjoys and which brings him focus and purpose. Let's see... Um, just have time for a couple more. Um, prayer ID 101806, praying for my two kids to get better from COVID exposure and a speedy recovery. Prayer ID 101803, please ask for all healing and strengthening for my cats who have been really sick, my sons, and me. Please ask that all our prana, mana, chi, vitality be returned Please pray for all light workers to be blessed and to help the USA and the world to allow truth, love, healing to strengthen and overpower all harmful energies and entities. Namaste. Uh, da, da, da. Amen. One more here. 101-801. Uh, Please pray that my husband will stop being cruel and mean to me. Thank you. Let's have a moment of silence prayer and affirmation for all those who need those things Oh, I was going to tell you about the making of a serial killer, Aguimala Mala. Um, we know quite a bit about him, actually, um, from the Buddhist sutras. Um, one of the best-known figures of uh, the Buddhist scriptures um, his transformation from a serial killer to a peaceful and enlightened monk. Um in Buddhist lands, um, uh, he's known to everybody, um, every child. taught He's taught about in school. Um, he is, believe it or not, a patron saint of, uh, of pregnant women. Isn't that funny? Um, his protective verse of blessing ensures a successful delivery, and I'm going to tell you why. I'll tell you, in fact, by first um, – truth is considered powerful magic in buddhist countries um lama came upon a pregnant woman and uh, this is when he was a monk and uh, she said uh, noble sir you know, i see that you're a a blessed monk who follows uh, the blessed buddha will my baby be all right and he said he said uh, he a good 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 woman he said i used to be a terrible person i was uh, the worst possible person And now I will never harm another human being. And he said, and by this truth that I will never harm another human being, your child will be well and healthy. And this uh, power of by this truth that I will never harm another human being, your child will be well and healthy. And, of course, the child was born well and healthy. So this, uh, this tale, this story, this anecdote, is considered uh, very powerful. This by this truth um, is considered a blessing. Powerful magic in the truth, which is which is very good. So, um, the Buddha had often warned his disciples not to judge others on the basis of their appearance and external behavior. Only a very enlightened person can see another's heart with accuracy, and uh, in Anguilla Mala's case, the Buddha had seen his hidden potential to win enlightenment in its very life not only from rebirth in the lower worlds but from all the suffering of the round of existence um, and you see this in most religions, even in Christianity there's a radical change in the moral character of people there's the, uh, the thief on the cross right, at Golgotha who Jesus promised would be with him in paradise that very day and the uh, uh, the chief of a gang of robbers who was converted by St. Francis of Assisi and became a monk. So cases like this have always moved the hearts of the devout. But for the skeptical, they raise the question of how such changes are possible. How does someone who we would consider a sociopath turn into a, a person of compassion and honor? So Anguilla Mala's story may Suggest how such a conversion is possible So It goes way back Before Angulamala's birth There was a, a very learned uh, High caste person of Brahma And his name was uh, Bagava um, And uh, he served as the royal chaplain In the court of King uh, Pasanadi of Kosala Who um, Was a very high official And one night his wife Gave birth to a son And the father cast the boy's horoscope, and to his horror, he found out that his son was born under the robber constellation, indicating that the boy had an innate disposition to a life of crime. And you can imagine that the father must must have felt that his firstborn son was destined, through astrology, uh, he was born to be bad. It must have been shocking. So, in the morning, the Brahmin went to the palace and asked the king how he had slept. The king said, How can I sleep? Well, I woke up in the night and saw that my auspicious weapons lying at the end of my bed were sparkling in the moonlight. So, I was too frightened and perturbed to fall asleep again. Could this mean danger to my kingdom? Could it mean danger to my life? And the Brahmin said, Don't have any fear. He said, the same strange phenomenon has taken place throughout the city, and it doesn't concern you. Last night my wife bore me a son, and unfortunately his horoscope has a robber constellation. And this must have caused the weapons to sparkle. So the birth of the son was so auspicious that all the weapons in the kingdom (laughs) sparkled. So the king uh, wanted to know, will he be a lone robber or the chief of a gang? He'll be a loner, your majesty. What if we were to kill him now and prevent him from growing up to be terrible? And he says, well, as he'd be a loner teacher, let him be raised and properly educated. Maybe he'll lose his evil propensities if he's trained right. And the boy was named Ahimsaka, which means harmless. And the name was given him with the hope it'd plant in his mind this uh, ideal to be harmless. And when he grew up, he was physically strong and powerful, a very large, powerful man. But he was also well-behaved and very intelligent, and he's diligent in his studies. And his parents had good reason to think that this evil proclivities, his nature, had been tamed. So it made him very happy. They thought, well, yeah, maybe we beat fate here. So in due course, his father sent Ahimsaka to a famous university in India to pursue his higher education. He was accepted by the foremost teacher, um, in the university. And he was very studious. He surpassed every other student, um, became the number one student. And, uh, the other students became resentful and envious. Um, so they decided that they were going to put a stop to it and cause trouble between him and his teacher. And, um uh, um we have to alienate the teacher from him and cause a break. So they decided that three groups of people should approach the teacher at intervals. And um, so they started gossip. They went to the teacher and uh, told the teacher that uh, uh Ahim was plotting to kill him. And they did this uh, separately. They broke up into three groups so that the teacher was convinced it was true. And uh, so eventually the teacher began to believe them, right? And the teacher said, well, I must kill him or be killed myself. But he said, it won't be easy to kill such a powerful man. He's huge. So if he's, if he's killed while living here as a pupil, it will hurt my reputation, and students won't come to me. So I've got to think of some way to get rid of him. So Saka was graduating, and the teacher called him and said, my dear Ahamsaka, y- you complete your studies, it's it's your duty to give a gift of honor to the teacher, so give it to me. And Saka said, anything you want, what shall I give you? And this is the pivotal moment. The teacher said, you have to bring me a thousand human little fingers of the right hand. This will then be your concluding ceremonial gift to the science you've learned. And... The teacher probably expected that Ahimsaka, Saka, uh, attempting to complete that deed, would either be killed himself or would be arrested and executed. But he didn't know who he was dealing with. The teacher may have also secretly uh, cast Ahimsaka's horoscope and seen his latent propensity to violence and evil and now tried to uh, incite it, try to raise it, right? So faced with this outrageous demand… Ahim Saka said, oh, oh, master, how can I do that? My family's never engaged in violence. We're, we're harmless people. And the few said, well, you know, if your education and your science doesn't um, mean anything to you, then it's not going to yield any fruit to you unless you do this. So Ahim Saka, wanting to do the right thing, finally consented, and he bowed before the teacher, and he left. Now, we, we don't know. The sources do not um, – Tell us what persuasion was used, but Ahimsaka um, agreed to do it, and one of his motivations may have been the belief that an unquestioning obedience to the guru was the first duty of a pupil. This was the caste system, right? And uh, but maybe his words aroused him in the attraction to a life of violent adventure, which which he was born with, right? Um, The tradition said that in one of his former lives, Ahamsaka had been a a powerful spirit, what what is called a yaka, who used his superhuman strength to kill human beings to satisfy his appetite for human flesh. So uh, in in all his past existences that are reported in the Jataka, which uh, is a collection of stories about previous lives, two traits are prominent. In him, his physical strength and his lack of compassion, sociopathy. And this was the dark heritage of his past, which broke into his present life, which submerged any good qualities of his early years. So he agreed. Didn't even think of the alternative, and this has been pointed out by many scholars. In India, they put the corpses in a killing, in in a death field, right? Uh, open to the elements. He could have gone to the uh, carnal ground and collected a thousand fingers from dead people but he he, he didn't do it. Instead he equipped himself with uh, several sharp instruments including a large sword to kill his victims with and went into the forest and he lived on a high cliff where he could observe the road below and when he saw travelers approaching he would run down and kill them and took one finger from each of his victims and first he hung the fingers on a tree where birds would eat the flesh and he would thread the bones and wore them as a garland and from that he received the nickname Anguilamala, the finger garland man so he began to as he gained his reputation people started to avoid the forest and soon nobody dared to go there not even the firewood gatherers and the hunters so he had to approach the village and from a hiding place, attack people who passed, cutting off their fingers and threading them on his necklace. And he even went so far as to enter houses at night and he'd kill the people in their sleep and take their fingers. He did this in many villages and no one could resist his enormous strength. And people abandoned their homes. People abandoned villages. He was, he was like a monster. He was like a booger man. Um, and, um, uh, the homeless villagers went to uh, Savati and camped outside the city and went to the royal palace, where you know, you know crying and lamenting and cursing, they told King uh, Pasinati of their plight. Now, the king saw that action was necessary, and he had the drum of royal announcements beaten to proclaim quickly the robber Anguilamala must be captured. Let an army detachment gather for instructions. well. You know um how this story ends, right? Um, so his mother tried to intercede for him, and uh, she she knew what happened. He fell to the evil that was predicted by his horoscope by the astrologists and uh at this time, Angulamala had already gathered nine hundred and ninety nine fingers. he had one to go, and he he saw his mother coming down the road. So to bring this task to an end, all he had to do was kill his mother, who was drawn closer. But matricide is one of the five heinous offenses that produce, irreversibly, according to Buddhist belief, an immediate rebirth in hell. So without knowing it, Aguilamala was hovering close to damnation. And on just this occasion, it was the 20th year of the Buddha's teaching career, the, the the master himself was the world, surveying the world with great compassion, became aware of Aguilamala, and to the Buddha, with his faculty of remembering former existences, this person was not unknown. And in many lives they'd met before, and often the bodhisattva, the Buddha, had conquered Aguilamala's strength of body by the strength of mind. And now when their lives had crossed again and the Buddha saw the grave danger toward which Aguilamala was heading – he did not hesitate. He began to walk the 30 miles to save him from this disaster. And the Aguilamala uh, Suda says, cowherds, shepherds, and plowmen passing by saw the blessed one walking toward this danger, right? Um and and they told him, don't take that road, recluse. On this road is the bandit Aguilamala, who is murderous, bloody-handed, given to blows and violence, merciless to living beings. Villages, towns, and districts have been laid waste by him. He is constantly murdering people, and he wears their fingers as a garland. Men have come along this road in groups of 10, 20, 30, and even 40, but still they have fallen into Aguilamala's hands. When this was said, the Blessed One went in, on in silence. For a second and a third time, these people warned him, but still the blessed one went on in silence. So from his lookout on the cliff, Aguilamala first saw his mother approaching, and though he recognized her, so depraved was his mind. In this thrill of violence, um, he still intended to complete the Thousand Fingers by killing this very woman who gave him birth and nurtured him as a child. But at that moment, the Buddha appeared on the road between Anguilamala and his mother, and seeing him, Anguilamala thought, well, why should I kill my mother for the sake of her finger when here's somebody else? I'll let her live. I'll kill this recluse and cut off his finger. And the Suda tells us, Anguilamala then took up his sword and shield, buckled on his bow and quiver, and followed close behind the Blessed One. Then the Blessed One performed such a feat of supernormal power that the bandit Anguilamala, though walking as fast as he could, could not catch up with the Blessed One, who is walking at his normal pace. Then the bandit, Aguilamala, thought, "'It is wonderful. It's marvelous. Formerly I could catch up even with a swift elephant and seize it. I could catch up even with a swift horse and seize it. I could catch up even with a swift chariot and seize it. I could catch up even with a swift deer and seize it. But now, though I'm walking as fast as I can, I cannot catch up with this recluse who is walking at his normal pace.'" He stopped and called out to the Blessed One, Stop, recluse, stop, recluse. I have stopped, Aguilamala, you stop too. Then the banded Aguilamala thought, These recluses, followers of the Sakyan Sion, speak truth, assert truth. But though this recluse is walking, yet he says, I have stopped, Aguilamala, you stop too. Suppose I question the recluse. Then the Buddha in stan- spoke, th- Oh, then he addressed the Buddha in stanzas thus. While you are walking, recluse, you tell me you have stopped. But now when I have stopped, you say, I have not stopped. I ask you now, O recluse, what is the meaning of it? How is it you have stopped and I have not? And the Buddha said, Angulamala, I have stopped forever. I abstain from violence toward living beings, but you have no restraint toward things that breathe. So that is why I have stopped and you have not. When Anguilamala heard these words, a second and greater change of heart came over him. The suppressed current of his nobler and purer urges broke through this crust of cruelty to which he had become habituated in the last years of his life. And he realized that the ascetic standing before him was no ordinary bhikkhu, no ordinary man, but... The enlightened Buddha himself, and he knew intuitively that this master had come to the forest entirely on his account to pull him back from this bottomless pit of misery into which he was about to tumble. And he was moved to the very roots of his being, and he threw away his weapons, and he pledged himself to adopt a totally new way of living. And he said, oh, at long last this recluse, a venerated sage has come to this great forest for my sake having heard your stanzas teaching me the dharma i will indeed renounce evil forever and you know saying this the bandit took his sword and weapons and flung them in a gaping pit and the bandit worshipped the buddha's feet and then and there he asked for for the goring forth and the enlightened buddha the sage of great compassion the teacher of the world with all of its gods addressed him with the words, Come, And that was how he became a Bhikkhu. Now, none of the traditional sources give us any insight into the inner side of Angulamala's experience, his, his transformation, his uh, change. But we can suppose, uh, uh, speculate, that the presence of the Buddha before him enabled him to see in a flash the unfathomable suffering in which his life had become enmeshed, and the even graver and terrible misery that lay in store for him when his evil karma would ripen. And he must have realized how he'd been victimized by his own blind ignorance, and it must have become clear to him that the only way he could escape the dark consequences that perpetually hung over him was to extricate the very root of all rebirth and suffering. And seeing that there was no hope for him within this world, he had to entrust himself to the prospect of final deliverance from the world by the conquest of his own self-delusion. This impelled him to take the radical step of complete renunciation by entering the Sangha and the teachings of the Buddha and become a spiritual son of the Buddha himself, his redeemer and refuge. So not long after that, uh, the Buddha with uh, some of his monks and Angulamala um, set out to wander to uh, uh, Savathi, which was Angulamala's home, right? And they arrived there, um, and the people of Savati did not yet know about Angulamala's great transformation, and they complained that the king had hesitated too long in sending out troops to track down and capture this uh, um, serial killer, right? So King Pasenadi himself… at the head of a huge unit of soldiers – remember, this guy was like a monster. He was huge and dangerous – came to the forest, and he passed the uh, monastery where the Buddha had just arrived. And the king had been a devout follower of the Buddha, and he stopped on his way to pay respect to the Buddha. And the Buddha, seeing the soldiers, asked the king whether he'd been attacked by a neighboring king. And that's how many soldiers he had, right, for this one man. And was going to war. And the king said, there's no war. Rather, along with the soldiers, he was after a single man, the murderous Aguilamala. But, he said, I'll never be able to put him down. And the Buddha said, but great king, suppose you were to see that Aguilamala had shaved off his hair and beard, put on the robe, and gone forth from the home life into homelessness. That he's abstained from killing living beings, from taking that which is not given, and from false speech. That he refrained from eating at night, ate only in one part of the day, and was celibate, virtuous, of good character. If you were to see him thus, how would you treat him? And the king said, Venerable sir, we would pay homage to him, or rise up for him, or invite him to be seated, or we would invite him to accept the four requisites of a monk. We would arrange for him for his lawful guarding, defense, and protection. But sir, he is an immoral man, one of the most evil characters in the world. How could he ever have such a virtue and restraint? Then the master extended his right arm and said to King Pasanati, "Here, great king, this is Aguilamala. And the king was terrified and his hair stood on end. This is what it says in the Sutta: the king's hair stood on end. And he entirely lost his composure. So terrifying was Aguilamala. But the Buddha said, don't be afraid. There's nothing for you to fear. And the king went over to the venerable now the venerable Angulimala and asked him for the clan name of his father and, mo- and mother and um, uh, made an inquiry and realized that this gentle and transformed man was indeed the former serial killer and the king uh, Pasenadi turned to the Buddha and said, "It's wonderful." Sir, it's marvelous how the Buddha subdues the unsubdued and pacifies the unpeaceful, calms the uncalmed. This one, who we cannot subdue with punishments and weapon, the blessed one has subdued without punishments or weapons. So as soon as Angolamala had taken up going on alms round, people fearfully ran from him and closed their doors. So he, he cannot even get a spoonful of food or a ladle of gruel during his uh, rounds. So um, it was said in the Vinaya, which is the book of uh, rules for monks, that many people, seeing Angulamala in robes, resented it and said, how can these recluses, the monks of the Sakyan, ordain a notorious criminal? Monks who heard this told it to the Buddha, who then proclaimed the rule, monks, a notorious criminal should not be ordained. He who ordains such a one commits an offense of wrongdoing. And the Buddha knew well that though he himself was able to perceive the potential for good in a criminal, those after him might not have that capacity nor the authority to carry out whatever they understood. And acceptance of former criminals might also have induced unrepenting criminals to use the order as a sanctuary to escape arrest and punishment. So to this day, uh, a uh, notorious criminal cannot be ordained as a monk in Buddhist monasteries and so angulamala was to this day the only notorious criminal to ever be ordained as a monk and this is the story uh the pregnant lady on his alms round angulamala saw a woman in labor who was having much difficulty in bringing forth her child compassion immediately arose in him and he thought how much how much do beings suffer how much do they suffer and on his return to the monastery, he reported this to the master who told him, Then go into Savarthia, Aguilamala, and say to that woman, Sister, since I was born, I do not recall that I have ever intentionally deprived a living being of life. By this truth, you you be well, and may your infant be safe. But Aguilamala, by saying that, Lord, wouldn't I be telling a deliberate lie? For I have intentionally deprived many beings of life. Then Aguilamala said to the woman, Sister, since I was born with a noble birth— I do not recall that I have ever intentionally deprived a living being of life. By this truth, may you be well, and may your infant be safe. He made the asservation of truth, and this is in quotes, as instructed by the Buddha. And his words were indeed true, for he had undergone a noble birth, a spiritual rebirth, when the Buddha ordained him as a monk, And the conversion of the heart gave him a power to help and to heal even stronger than his previous power to hurt and destroy. Thus, through the power of his asservation, both mother and infant had a safe delivery. And this is the story of Aguimamala, the serial killer who became a saint. We shall pause for just a moment.
0: This has been the Crystal Silence.
1: That was the wrong one.
0: And now we'll pause for station identification.
1: All-time specific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Yes, yes. Well, I will tell you that um, we have uh, modern stories like this this uh, also. Um, I will I can tell you uh about uh the cow who cried maybe um uh, yes, I sure can um uh, there was a um, when I was a moderator on um um Isanga, which was the um, largest Buddhist forum – On the internet at one time It's gone now Um, There was a um, Australian um, bhikkhu, A monk His name is Ajahn Brahm And people really like him He's funny He's got a great sense of humor He's a Theravadan monk And he had a Ministry In a a Terrible uh, Prison And the prison had a a Slaughterhouse They slaughtered cattle And Of course The uh, uh, the most terrible of people uh, worked in the slaughterhouse, and uh, Ajahn Brahm told this story, and uh, uh, he taught a meditation class. He taught mindfulness meditation uh, as part of his ministry, and he he said that uh, – he said, I arrived early to lead my meditation class, and a person I never saw before was waiting to speak with me. He was a giant of a man with bushy hair and beard and tattooed arms. The scars on his face told me he'd been in many a violent fight. He looked so fearsome that I wondered why he was coming to learn meditation. He wasn't the type. He, Adrian Baum said I was wrong, of course. He told me that something had happened a few days before that had spooked the hell out of him. As he started speaking, I picked up his thick ulcer accent to give me some background. He told me that he had grown up in the violent streets of Belfast. His first stabbing was when he was seven years old. The school bully had demanded the money he had for lunch. He said no. The older boy took out a long knife and asked for the money a second time. He thought the bully was bluffing. He said no again. The bully never asked a third time. He just plunged the knife into the seven-year-old's arm, drew it out, and walked away. He told me that he ran in shock from the schoolyard, with blood streaming down his arm, to his father's house close by. His unemployed father took one look at the wound and led his son to the kitchen but not to dress the wound. The father opened a drawer, took out a big kitchen knife, gave it to his son, and ordered him back to school to stab the boy back. That was how he'd been brought up. If he hadn't grown so big and strong, he would have been long dead. So the jail was a prison farm where short-term prisoners or long-term prisoners close to release could be prepared for life outside, some by learning a trade in the farming industry. Furthermore, the produce from the prison farm would supply all the prisons around Perth with inexpensive food thus keeping down costs. Australian farms grow cows, sheep, and pigs, not just wheat and vegetables. So did the prison farms. But unlike other farms, the prison farm had its own slaughterhouse on site, and every prisoner had to have a job in the prison farm. And I was informed by many of the inmates that the most sought-after jobs were in the slaughterhouse. These jobs were especially popular with violent offenders, and the most sought-after job of all, which you had to fight for, was the job of the slaughterer himself. That giant and fearsome Irishman was the slaughterer. And he described the slaughterhouse to me, super strong stainless steel railings wide at the opening, narrowed down to a single channel inside the building, just wide enough for one animal to pass through at a time. Next to the narrow channel raised on a platform, he'd stand with the electric gun. Cows, pigs, or sheep would be forced into the stainless steel funnel using dogs and cattle prods. He said they would always scream, each in its own way, and try to escape. They could smell death, hear death, and feel death. When an animal was alongside his platform, it would be writhing and wiggling and moaning in full voice. Even though his gun could kill a large bull with a single high-voltage charge, the animal would never stand still long enough for him to aim properly. So it was one shot to stun, next shot to kill. One shot to stun, next shot to kill. Animal after animal, day after day. The Irishman started to become excited as he moved to the occurrence. Only a few days before... That he had unsettled him so much, he started to swear. And what followed, he kept repeating, This is the God's fucking truth. He was afraid I wouldn't believe him. That day, they needed beef for the prisons around Perth. They were slaughtering cows, one shot to stun, next shot to kill. He was well into a normal's day killing when a cow came up like he had never seen before. This cow was silent. There wasn't even a whimper. Its head was down as it walked purposely, voluntarily, slowly into position next to the platform. It did not writhe, wiggle, or try to escape. Once in position, the cow lifted her head and stared at her executioner absolutely still. The Irishman hadn't seen anything even close to this before. His mind went numb with confusion. He couldn't lift his gun, nor could he take his eyes away from the eyes of the cow. The cow was looking right inside him. He slipped into timeless spaces. He couldn't tell me how long it took, but as the cow held him in eye contact... He noticed something that shook him even more. Cows have very big eyes. He saw in the left eye of the cow, above the lower eyelid, water began to gather. The amount of water grew and grew until it was too much for the eyelid to hold. It began to trickle slowly all the way down her cheek, forming a glistening line of tears. Long, closed doors were opening slowly to his heart. As he looked in disbelief, he saw in the right eye of the cow, above the lower eyelid, more water gathering growing by the moment, until it, too, was more than the eyelid could contain. A second stream of water trickled slowly down her face, and the man broke down. The cow was crying. He told me that he threw down his gun, swore to the full extent of his considerable capacity to the prison officers that they could do whatever they liked to, but that cow ain't dying. He ended by telling me he was a vegetarian now. The story was true. Other inmates at the prison farm confirmed it for me the cow that cried, taught one of the most violent, violent of men what it means to care. Now, Aghan Brahm himself told us that story on uh, Isanga. Now, my question to you, and we'll leave it as this. This is what I want to leave you with. Do you believe it really happened? Or was this a sociopath manipulating a good-hearted Buddhist monk to try to get favors and special treatment. That's the question I'm gonna leave you with. Personally, I'd like to think it really happened. And did this violent man who was in prison for murder, by the way, he had murdered a number of people um undergo a transformation like uh, Aguila Mala did Is such a thing possible Is such a change possible I'll leave you with these questions And as you know As you always know The Reverend loves you very much And we'll see you next time
0: This has been The Crystal Silence League Hour Heard exclusively On the LMC Radio Network Join us next time for spiritual fellowship and discussion of spirituality, prayer, and advice on the practical use of crystals. It's been 30 days Since the county brought it up a window and took the kids away Our simple life disappeared on tiptoe I'm talking to a maid. Tomorrow's past and present Mysteries Eastern a Cherokee Rich with family history He shepherds The church of divine Harmony Serving Lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee He fades Praise with the crystal Salem's League. Reverend St. Germain operates a jacket, beads it nicely, hanging from a chain. He sealed his hair in wax and wound it tightly. Clearing paths of sandalwood and chippy, decorating homes with babies for a strong instead of victory. He shepherds the church of divine harmony. King the lost lands of Knoxville, Tennessee He faithfully prays with the crystal Silent plague I'll tell it to you please We are in a difficult position River St. Germain gave me what we need for our condition Cinnamon and clothes in a sugar box with five finger grasses I keep it by the stove for stirring coffee, thicker than molasses Church of Divine Harmony Serving the lost lands of Knoxville, Tennessee